0: Hey, hurry up. It's freezing. Well, who are you? Iris, open the door or I swear I'm going to take a leak all over <gasps> your phone. Oh, you're not Iris. Or if you are, I'm much drunker than I realized. I'm sorry for my profanity. I wasn't expecting uh, you. <laughs> no, I wasn't expecting you either. Uh, nevertheless, may I just... Oh, yeah, of course, sure, you had to, yeah. I'm Graham, Iris's brother. Oh, brother. Um, I, well, I'm Amanda Woods, I'm staying here. Amanda Woods, is that all one word? <laughs> no, no, it's not. Oh, so, Iris is, where is, um, where is she? Uh, she didn't tell you? She could've done but, uh, huh. as previously stated, I'm, uh, I've just, I've been on the, uh... She's in Los Angeles. That's not possible. Iris never goes anywhere. <laughs> we have that in common. Uh, no, she listed this cottage on a home exchange website, and I found it. We, uh, switch houses for two weeks for the holiday. In a world with movies, we need a hero. Someone to separate the bad from the job. Everyone, I'm Em, the leading lady of this podcast, not the best friend. And welcome to Verbal Diorama, episode 234 The Holiday. This is a podcast that's all about the history and legacy of movies you know and movies you don't. And as always, welcome to Verbal Diorama. To all brand new listeners of this podcast, consider this our meet cute. And welcome back to all of you wonderful regular returning listeners. Thank you all for being here. Thank you all for choosing to listen to this podcast. I am, as always, so happy to have you here for the history and legacy of The Holiday. And this is a movie that I've wanted to cover for such a long time. I love The Holiday. It is not the sort of movie that I usually love, but I love The Holiday. And to be fair, I love all of Nancy Meyers' movies. I have such an affinity, especially for The Holiday, especially at this time of year, because we are in the run-up to the festive season. But before we jump into the holiday and all of that delicious, cozy warmth that you get from that movie, I just want to say, as always, so much love and thanks to everyone who's listened to the most recent episodes of this podcast, on oh, Donnie Darko, which obviously is called Classic that managed to revive itself financially, as well as still evoke questions about what it all means twenty-two years after it came out, and Street Fighter Street Fighter, who doesn't love street Fighter a serious attempt. To try to make a James Bond-esque action movie, that just turned into an absolute mess with a dictator on screen in M. Bison and Capcom doing their very best behind the scenes to add as many characters from their franchise video game as possible. I'm not suggesting Capcom are a dictator, by the way, but they were very insistent, shall we say. But obviously, more information on both of those movies in both of those episodes. They are fascinating episodes, even if I do say so myself, on two incredibly fascinating movies. And so, we're going to be going to the holiday. It is that time of year. At the time that the holiday came out, it was one of the most expensive rom-coms ever made. And a movie that, like most Christmas classics, just becomes even more beloved as the years pass. And just FYI, yes, this episode is a little later than usual because I caught the flu. And to get everything done before Christmas, episodes are going to now be on a Sunday in December. Just to, you know, mix things up a little bit. Thursday episodes are out of the door. It's all about Sundays in December, the verbal diorama. So we have a fairytale English cottage set in a tranquil country garden, snuggled up by an old stone fireplace and enjoy a cup of cocoa. An enchanting oasis of tranquility in a quiet English hamlet just 40 minutes from exciting London. No, it's not my house. It is the trailer for the holiday. We might as well be honest with each other. Just tell me, did you sleep with her? Okay, I slept with her. You happy? Did you say, Am I happy? You gotta be. Yes. Oh! Oh, God, here he comes. Oh, Jasper, what's the story with you two, anyway? I'm head over heels, you know? Everybody, may I introduce the newly engaged Jasper Bloom? I hate my horrible life. Iris and Amanda are in exactly the same place. Where do I want to go by myself? Depressed at Christmas. Just 6,000 miles apart. Home exchange. We switch houses, cars, everything. I need you to answer this. Are there any men in your town? <laughs> Perfect. we to new, to new I'm land. here. I'm here. As one door closes, be interesting. Another one opens. Oh. Hi. Hello. I'm Miles. I'm Greg. Iris's brother. Do you want some company? Yeah, love some. Excuse me. Ooh. Okay, sorry about that. Boob grace. <laughs> that was accidental. You know, Graham, I just broke up with someone. And Considering that you showed up and you're insanely good looking <laughs> and probably won't remember me anyway, I'm thinking we should have sex. If you want. Is that a trick question? It seems I had it all wrong. It turns out you'll go somewhere new and meet people who make you feel worthwhile again. It's Christmas Eve and we are going to celebrate being young and being alive. Sorry, that was Amanda. Find out how she is. Can you tell him I'm good? How's she doing? What's he been up to? Hold oh, please. I can't believe that you have had sex with the woman staying in my house! Oh. He told you that? Oh my god, oh my god! i There's no need to repeat. The holiday. I can't believe you've had sex with Amanda. She's been there five days. And then you meet her and immediately get into her knickers. Still me. Two women who have never met and live 6,000 miles apart meet online on a home exchange website and after both experiencing heartbreak, impulsively switch homes for the holiday. Iris moves into Amanda's L.A. house in Sully, California, and Amanda arrives in the snow-covered English countryside at Iris's Country Cottage. Shortly after arriving at their destinations, both women find the last thing either wants or expects, a new romance. Amanda is charmed by Iris's handsome brother Graham, and Iris, with inspiration provided by legendary screenwriter Arthur, meant her heart when she meets film composer Miles. Let's run through the incredible cast of this movie. We have Kate Winslet as Iris Simpkins, Cameron Diaz as Amanda Woods, Jude Law as Graham Simpkins, Jack Black as Miles Dumont, Eli Wallach as Arthur Abbott, Rufus Sewell as Jasper Bloom, Shannon Sossamon as Maggie, Edward Burns as Ethan, Catherine Hahn as Bristol, John Krasinski as Ben, Miffy Englefield as Sophie and Emma Pritchard as Olivia. Featuring cameos from Dustin Hoffman, Lindsay Lohan, James Franco and veteran trailer narrator Hal Douglas. The Holiday was written and directed by Nancy Myers. An Academy Award and Golden Globe nominee, Nancy Myers has had a long and varied Hollywood career. Her movies are known for being warm, funny, cosy, with huge kitchens and often featuring storylines or characters that are underrepresented in mainstream media. She's one of the most influential female romantic comedy directors of all time, a genre that is surprisingly underserved by female directors, despite the genre itself being marketed to a primarily female audience. Myers has never prescribed to that. Her filmography as a writer slash producer and then as a director contains some of the most beloved and successful comedies of the last 40 years. Private Benjamin, which netted her an Academy Award nomination for Best Original Screenplay, was her debut screenplay. She also wrote and produced Baby Boom and wrote and produced Father of the Bride, a Father of the Bride Part 2, directed by her then-husband Charles Shire. In 1998, she wrote her feature directorial debut, The Parent Trap, just like Father of the Bride, a remake, this time of the Hayley Mills starring 1961 original. I love The Parent Trap. It's such a fun movie. She followed that with What Women Want and Something's Gotta Give. Really loved that one. Diane Keaton chose poorly, though. From young widowhood, working motherhood, 50-something love, divorce, and returning to the workforce post-retirement, Nancy Myers prefers to shine a light on dramatic issues while keeping the humour light-hearted. And next for Nancy Myers came The Holiday. As she just seems to get the universal themes of love and relationships, mostly that have been modelled on her own life and experiences over the years. It's something like, something's got to give. It was very much two people sharing one particular environment. But for the holiday, it would be multiple characters and multiple stories woven together, but without the identical structure of each girl only meeting one man. The whole house swap plot came in later, when Myers wanted a vacation home and was made aware that HomeExchange.com was a real place on the internet where people really did swap houses. And as I'm going to be coming back to, it is still very much a thing. But just on a little segue, because Irish novelist Maeve Finchie had actually released a book in 1998 called Tara Road about an American called Marilyn and an Irish woman called Rhea who trade houses to avoid facing their problems at home. It was actually made into a movie in 2005, released the year before the holiday, and it starred Olivia Williams and Andy McDowell. Now, if you've never heard of Tara Road, you're not alone. And neither had Nancy Myers. by the way. Tara Road wasn't in any way an inspiration for the holiday, just a complete coincidence. And while Olivia Williams and Andy McDowell are both fine actors, Myers had her sights a high for her house swap rom-com. And during the writing process, envisioned the actors she wanted to play her leading ladies. And straight off the bat, if you're writing a 30-year-old woman in England, you get Kate Winslet. And if you want an all-American girl, you get Cameron Diaz. Kate Winslet has never really done a contemporary romantic comedy before and not really since you could maybe make an argument for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind but it's not really a romantic comedy it's just a down and out terrific wonderful film that everyone should see genuinely one of Kate Winslet's best movies and that's episode 217 of this podcast by the way I love Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind if you've not seen it please go and watch it Because if you think Kate Winslet is good in this movie or in any other movie that you've seen Kate Winslet in, she is outstanding in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. But she did worry she wouldn't be funny enough because she'd never really played a contemporary character in a rom-com before and she constantly worried about getting fired. While the characters of Iris and Amanda were shaped by the actors Myers wanted to play them, the characters of Graham and Miles were more fluid. Graham especially evolved the most during the writing process and it wasn't until she was done with the character that she thought of Jude Law, again, another actor who's not really known for his romantic comedy chops. Myers met with Law, went through the script with him and he just got the role and wanted it and so he was hired for it. For Miles, Jack Black was never the obvious choice as a romantic lead but that was exactly why Myers wanted him after seeing him in School of Rock. Myers wanted adorable and lovable, a sweet, kind guy who could charm Kate Winslet. Myers invited him over for a pasta dinner to get him to sign on, but Black really wasn't keen until she told him he'd be acting opposite the inimitable Kate Winslet. Black was sold, the cast was in place, everything was hunky-dory. Unsurprisingly for a Nancy Myers film, the most important things to take into consideration are set design and costumes. Each actor spent days going through clothing with a myriad of cashmere sweaters, coats, jeans, and dresses, making sure each outfit was perfect for each scene. And the first scene filmed was actually the last one in the movie, the New Year's party. Once all the primary cast was hired, Kate Winslet was actually time constrained due to other projects. So her stuff had to be filmed first in LA, both on sound stages at Culver Studios and at the Mediterranean style Californian home built by architect Wallace Neff as his private residence in the 1920s in San Marino. That house is located at 1883 Orlando Road. It was recently sold for $11.8 million. The house they used for Arthur's home exteriors belonged to legendary comedian and actor Phyllis Diller, who was still alive while they were filming and met with the cast and crew. The real Santa Ana Wins also played their parts during filming in L.A., But while this is an incredibly attractive and fantastic cast in this movie, there's one person that I specifically do want to talk about. The one person who made me fall in love with this movie more than the delights of Jude Law in this movie, who is wonderful, by the way. But it's the perfect opportunity to talk about Eli Wallach. BAFTA, Tony, an Emmy Award winning actor who studied alongside Marlon Brando and Sidney Lumet became friends with Marilyn Monroe. Wallach's prolific career as one of the greatest character actors to ever appear on stage or screen meant that he starred in over 90 films during his career, including Sergio Leone's The Good, The Bad and The Ugly with Clint Eastwood, where he almost died three times during filming. He was also in The Misfits with Marilyn Monroe, How the West Was Won, The Magnificent Seven, The Godfather Part Three, and, of course, the crowning jewel in his illustrious career, The Holiday where he charms Kate Winslet's Iris and teaches her how to be the leading lady in her own life. And this is a sweet movie, and I really genuinely do adore this movie. And the central relationships are charming, but none is as sweet or wonderful as the friendship between Iris and Arthur. And in many ways, it's quite sad that he wasn't there with everyone on New Year's Eve, because he really deserved to be. On the 30th of November, 2010, at the age of 94, Wallach received an Academy Honorary Award for his contribution to the film industry from the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. He died in June 2014 at the age of 98. And Arthur Abbott is a total joy in this movie. And Wallach's stories of his life during the golden age of Hollywood entranced the cast and the crew. He turned 90 during filming and they all celebrated on set with him with a huge cake and candles. And while they were filming in the US, it gave the production designers time to build the sets they needed to in Surrey, after an extensive search for the perfect cottage for Iris led them to the perfect house, but it was too isolated and over four hours away from London, where the film crew were based. They'd chosen to film in Shear, a small village about an hour from London, a village that has film pedigree, Bridget Jones' The Edge of Reason was filmed there, and a field proved to be the perfect location for Iris' house. Just up the hill from St. James's Church and just down the road from the 16th century White Horse Tavern. It was there that they built the shell for Rose Hill Cottage, where all of the exterior scenes at Iris's house were filmed. The interiors of Iris's cottage, just like Amanda's house, were created and filmed at Sony Studios in Culver City. Because yes, Rose Hill Cottage is not a real cottage, but it certainly looks like one. And Rose Hill Cottage is a true creation of movie magic. The brainchild of production designer John Hutman and UK location manager Benjamin Greenacre. It started off as a simple field with four wooden pegs and a crossbar. Within four days, you could see the outline of the cottage. And then four weeks were spent landscaping and gardening the outside to make it look just like the garden and outer wall had been there for several hundred years, as long as the cottage had been. So the house itself just appeared in one week in a previously empty field and was a real tourist attraction while they were filming. Unfortunately, it was torn down after filming finished, which is a real shame because it is such a beautiful cottage. When it came to the interiors being filmed at Culver City, director of photography Dean Kundi was specifically told not to take wide shots inside the cottage so it would feel small and cosy. It was originally furnished contemporarily, but that didn't suit the cosy English cottage vibes, and said they went for a more vintage look, as opposed to Amanda's sprawling modern lay home. Filming also took place in the town of Godalming, where the candle shop stood in for the village market, where Cameron Diaz stocks up on supplies, a famously glug's wine from the bottle. And as any Brit knows, it rarely snows here in the UK, usually just rains. But when it does, it's either treated like a minor miracle or the coming of the apocalypse. Both are true here in the UK. Nancy Myers was warned beforehand to not expect snow, and they even hired a professional snow company called Snow Business to create plenty of fake snow for the film. But then it actually did snow just before filming. And so what they did was they used the real snow, and then they used Snow Business to top it up with fake snow. And Snow Business, which is like no business you know, I took a fleeting visit to snowbusiness.com to see the variety of fake and real snow that they use for film productions, which is all sustainable, bio-based and biocombustible. And there are no single use plastics or anything like that. It's truly a wonderful thing. Led by Darcy Crownshaw, snow business started in 1983 and has 200 types of artificial snow. They've also worked on Muppet Christmas Carol, GoldenEye, Gladiator, The Day After Tomorrow, and in 2018, their work contributed to Blade Runner 2049 winning an Oscar for Best Visual Effects. The abundance of snow also gave Karen Diaz something to constantly run through, with Diaz saying in interviews that this was one of her most physical roles, what with all the running, punching, and general physical comedy. She claimed she ran seven miles in heels during filming, and as someone who can't run seven metres in heels, or seven metres in trainers, that's a joke, I can actually run 17 metres in trainers, Cameron Diaz's skills are impressive. Myers let Diaz riff on her comedy prowess, especially in the scenes where Amanda has just arrived in Surrey. Myers told Diaz to act bored and just sat the camera on her filming her little acts of boredom for 10 minutes straight. And all of the actors would give bits of themselves to their characters. Kate Winslet was originally supposed to act quite restrained when first seeing Amanda's house, but suggested that she be excited, jump and flop on the bed and Myers just let her do it. All in all, filming took place over a six-month period with very little rehearsal beforehand because Nancy Myers would shoot scenes over and over again and wanted to capture genuine chemistry between the actors. Myers' attention to detail was unlike anything most of the actors had worked with before. Every angle and every option was covered. Jude Law specifically felt very attached to and responsible for Miffy Englefield and Emma Pritchard, who played his young daughters. They were both only six years old at the time and having young children himself meant he was attuned to their needs and getting natural responses from them, including the infamous Mr. Napkinhead, a creation of Meyer's then-husband Charles Shire, who created Mr. Napkinhead for their two daughters, who are named Annie and Hallie, just like the sisters in The Parent Trap. Hallie meyer Shire is a director in her own right. Mr. Napkinhead first came about in film when Jude Law was filming Alfie, which was also directed by Shire, but the scene was cut from the movie Alfie. So Mr Napkin had returned for the holiday and the scene with the children included ad-libs and was just a really lovely excuse to mess around on a film set and have it filmed. And the set of Graham's house was as detailed as possible to make it look like this could feasibly be the home of a single parent, including the wonderfully lit tent, which I'm sure every child wants their own play tent in their bedroom. Charles Shire also directed Lindsay Lohan and James Franco for the trailer within a film. Lohan did the trailer as a favour to Myers, who obviously gave her her big break in the parent trap. And I said I'd come back to HomeExchange.com. Now, this is a genuinely real story. They recreated the holiday with their version of Iris, a.k.a. a genuine journalist for The Telegraph, Lizzie Frania, and an Amanda, a.k.a. Camille Wyand from New York. And in Christmas 2021, Camille travelled to London met Lizzie for the first time, they swapped keys and Lizzie then flew to New York and the idea was they would each find their own Graham and Miles, which they did. A guy called Paddy in London and a guy called Evan in New York. And this was all a collaboration with the dating app Thursday. Camille and Paddy even went to the White Horse Tavern where the holiday was filmed for their second date for Camille's very first Sunday roast. Unfortunately, Camille and Paddy are no longer together after the story went viral on TikTok. But Camille and Lizzie are still friends and they do still talk and see each other, which is lovely. At least a nice friendship has come out of this quote-unquote real-life holiday. And just on a by-note, the one slight criticism I do have about this movie is Cary Grant is not from Surrey. He's from Bristol. But that is a very minor criticism. Let's move on to the obligatory Keanu reference for this episode. And yes, I am going to go to the place you think I'm going to go. This is a part of the podcast where I try and link the movie that I'm featuring with Keanu Reeves. For no reason other than even Nancy Myers knows that you put Keanu Reeves in your movie. And as I said, Diane Keaton chose poorly. But we do not choose poorly at Verbal Diorama. Because the only real way that I can link Keanu to the holiday is... His wonderful role as Dr. Julian Mercer in Something's Gotta Give. And I know that Nancy Myers herself believes that Diane Keaton chose correctly in Jack Nicholson, but she just didn't. Because there was a really attractive, young, beautiful, lovely, sensitive, sweet doctor right there for her character. And she just didn't do it. Why? Why would you not choose Keanu Reeves? Over Jack Nicholson. I'm so sorry, but you just would every single time. One day I will get to Something's Gotta Give on this podcast because I love that movie. Genuinely love, I love everything that Nancy Myers has ever done, but I do love Something's Gotta Give for that very exact reason. One of the things that blew me away the most when it came to obviously researching the holiday and finding out everything there is to know about the holiday was the inclusion of Hans Zimmer. Because Hans Zimmer is not the sort of composer that you would necessarily put with a movie like The Holiday. But he just does such wonderful work in this movie, as he always does. Obviously, he's an Oscar winning composer and he is one of the most well-known film composers working in Hollywood today. And as the composer of this movie, he obviously composed the themes that Miles composed in the movie. So Miles was composing themes for Iris and Arthur in the film. And Zimmer then composed the actual themes for both of them, as well as the actual themes for everything else as well. So it was kind of like meta themes, themes within themes. And obviously with Miles, the character being a composer, the movie was able to include a few allusions to vintage movie soundtracks. And in one scene, Miles calls out Hans Zimmer while holding up a copy of Driving Miss Daisy. It's interesting to note that they did purposefully remove all of the movies starring Kate Winslet and Jack Black from that scene. Although, in a blink-or-miss-it scene, you can actually see a copy of Enigma in Amanda's DVD collection and Enigma, obviously, starring Kate Winslet. So, of course, when you have a movie set at Christmas, it makes perfect sense to release it just before Christmas. Unless you are one of those rare movies set at Christmas, That comes out in July, which, trust me, happens far too often. So the holiday was released on the 8th of December 2006, the same week as Apocalypto, which beat it to number one at the box office. And the holiday didn't make much of a splash at the box office initially. It would grow $63.2 million domestically in the US and $142.6 million internationally for a total worldwide gross of $205.8 million, which is actually a fairly decent box office return. But the amazing thing about The Holiday is it's actually grown in favour over the years with an incredibly passionate and loving fan base. It wasn't reviewed well critically on release, but retrospectively again, it's seen as a charming, sweet, albeit predictable rom-com. It currently sits at 50% on Rotten Tomatoes for critics, with audiences rating it 80, which is kind of more about right, to be honest. Critics also suggested its post-two-hour runtime was unnecessary, but it is two hours, 16 minutes of corny, and we should all be looking for corny in our lives. Despite being talked about for years, Kate Winslet allegedly signing up, exclusives and everything like that, there is not going to be a sequel to The Holiday. Nancy Myers has rejected the idea. I believe most of the cast have suggested it's never going to happen. So we are never going to get a sequel, Nancy Myers did, of course, go on to make other movies, including Very Almost Making, a semi-autobiographical rom-com for Netflix about a filmmaking couple based on her relationship with her ex-husband and producing partner Charles Shire, which would have had an all-star ensemble cast of Scarlett Johansson, Penelope Cruz, Michael Fassbender and Owen Wilson. It was reportedly going to be called Paris Paramount. But it was also going to cost roughly around about 150 million dollars, and so Netflix pulled the plug. It may not be completely gone, with Warner Brothers allegedly interested in the project. But enough said about Warner Brothers having their own tendency to make things and then never releasing them as tax write-offs. The better, release Coyote vs Acme, you cowards! Oh, did I just say that out loud? Uh, so excuse me while I drunkenly blurt out the killer's Mr. Brightside and rewatch gifts of Jude Law stating I am daddy. Christmas is supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year and it is because of the holiday. Now in the legacy of Christmas rom-coms, you take the myriad of Hallmark Christmas movies out of the equation and generally people just think of two. They think of the holiday and they think of Love Actually. Now I will put it on the record right now, I really dislike Love Actually genuinely do not like it. I just don't find it as heartwarming and endearing as everyone else seems to. I actually find it super problematic and triggering and I think it is a movie that does not hold up at all. The Holiday is different. It's got the same transatlantic storyline that can appeal to Brits and Americans. It's got that link between a brother and sister. It's got a charming subplot focused on the irreplaceable and incomparable Eli Wallach and you can just relate to the hopeless romantic of Iris, to the emotionally repressed Amanda, to the lovelorn single parent Graham, and the believer that love will conquer all miles. Even Dustin Hoffman manages to make an impromptu appearance. Katherine Hahn turns up before she was Catherine Hahn. John Krasinski turns up before he was John Krasinski. And forget about all of the logistics of arranging an actual holiday, booking flights, booking leave from work, tidying up your respective homes. And not to mention questioning whether either of these relationships can actually last post-New Year's. It doesn't matter. It's kind of moot. It's all about the here and now, finding love where you can, finding happiness, even if it's fleeting. That you can get that toxic person out of your life, realising that your self-worth isn't anything to do with that person or how they make you feel. That we are done with toxic relationships. And maybe that's why the holiday has found its renaissance. Is it predictable? Yes. Is it as comfortable as a cashmere sweater? Also, yes. While it does lean into stereotypes and clichés, it also eschews them. Jude Law's Graham is at one with his emotions. He doesn't treat Amanda with any contempt in a treat mean keep keen mentality. And he only fibs about his children to protect them. And he's a good dad. Literally, the hottest trait that exists is the hot dad. This is a female-written, female-produced, female-directed movie about women that should exist more often and more freely in the genre it lives in. But it feels like such a rarity that it focuses on romantic love and platonic love should be more celebrated. But thankfully, it finally feels like it's getting its own place in the wintry Californian sun. The holiday may not really exist outside of Christmas, but that's okay. With a romantic happy ending for everyone as a bonus, it is an enticing escapist fantasy that's really about forgetting your reality. But if it teaches us to love ourselves that little bit more, then surely that's a really good thing. And just a message for Jude Law if he's listening. Hello, Daddy. (laughs) Thank you for listening. As always, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the holiday. And if you want to get involved, you want to help this podcast grow, thank you to everyone who has supported this podcast in 2023. It has been an amazing year for this podcast and for me personally as well. But if you do want to help and you do want to get involved, you could leave a rating or review wherever you found this podcast. You can retweet or like posts on social media. You can find me at Verbal Diorama on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Threads, Blue Sky, Letterboxd, basically wherever you find social media, just at Verbal Diorama. Or you can simply tell your friends and family about this podcast. If you like this episode on the holiday, you might also like the following episodes. They've got a bit of a theme to them, I'll be honest. So episode 145, My Best Friend's Wedding, because outstanding Cameron Diaz. Episode 218, There's Something About Mary, outstanding Cameron Diaz. And episode 230, Mamma Mia, because again, it's a movie written, produced, directed and starring women that again, incredibly underrated. But it's an episode that really seems to have taken off. People love Mamma Mia. More podcasts need to cover Mamma Mia. And obviously I did mention earlier in the episode Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, outstanding Kate Winslet. Obviously give me feedback. Have you listened to those episodes? What do you think? Let me know. So the next episode, another Christmas classic. The one that fires up the debate of whether it is a Christmas movie. But as it's being featured on Verbal Diorama at Christmas, that should tell you everything you need to know. Die Hard is a Christmas movie, and it's up next week. And like this episode, it'll be out on a Sunday. So please join me next Sunday for an episode on the history and legacy of Die Hard. Now, I'm a podcast that has an episode on Die Hard. Ho, ho, ho. And as always, just by listening to this podcast, you are supporting this podcast. But if you do want to help out financially, there are two ways you can do it. You can go to verbaldiorama.com slash tips and give a one-off tip. Or you can go to verbaldiorama.com slash Patreon and join the wonderful, amazing patrons of this podcast. They are Simon E., Sade, Claudia, Simon B., Norrell, Derek, Vern, Kat, Andy, Mike, Luke, Michael, Scott, Brendan, Lisa, Sam, Jack, Dave, Stuart, Nicholas, So, Kev, Pete, Heather, Danny, Ali, Tyler, Stu, Brett, Philip, and Michelle. They're all patrons with gumption. If you want to get in touch with me, you can. You can email me, verbaldiorama at gmail.com. Or you can go to my website, verbaldiorama.com, and you can say hi. You can give me feedback. You can also give me suggestions as well. And you can also find work that I do at filmstories.co.uk. You can check out copies of the magazine and articles that I write as well. And finally, it's over. This, this, This twisted, toxic thing between us is finally finished. I'm miraculously done being in love with you! I've got a life to start living! And you're not going to be in it! Darling! Now, I've got somewhere really important to be, and you have got to get the hell out! Now! What exactly has got into you? I don't know! But I think what I've got is something slightly resembling... gumption! And may I say, so are you. Did I do my tie okay? I haven't worn one in 15 years. Perfect. I like this Hugo boss. He cuts a nice suit. <laughs> Bye. Bye.